Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. We finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, mm-hmm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, how, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle that we know this moment in history 
sort of prophesize to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California, at the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabena.com backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. So we wanted to do a little Q&A today. Um, Hopefully my audio is okay because we're going to put this on the pod. Um, And so the question that we got, I'm going to read a question that we got from one of our listeners. Um, And I think it's a really good jump off point for this conversation. Yeah. So somebody DM me and said, why is it that our society, particularly women, decide to bring down other women who vocalize their own strengths, Mm. right? And so she gave an example and then she said, um, she feels like she gets attacked or insulted or kind of brought back down humbled, Mm. which I Mm. like that word. Um, And she said, like me me complimenting myself is somehow an insult on other people or on everyone else. What is that? Um, and then she said, and through that experience, I find myself then questioning myself and wondering if I'm being, if I'm being an arrogant asshole, maybe I should be quiet. Maybe I should make myself smaller. And somebody actually just popped in and put in the chat. We've been conditioned to see other women as competitors, Oof. which I think that part. is definitely part of it. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was a really good, right. I thought we, we think this is a really good conversation starter. Yeah. I mean just using what someone just said as sort of a jump off point. I think that's a really great point. And I think that there's so much about, as you and I have been sort of studying the history of patriarchy and digging a little bit into like where all of these um, ways that we've been conditioned to be began as women, like what was the origin point? I think what we've come to understand is there's a way that in order to create a system of oppression, you really needed to separate women, you know? And there was a time when women really like sort of lived a lot more like in the company of women and like supported one another in our day-to-day lives in a lot more integral way. Um, And that it was really necessary to like create separation. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about like the history of like the witch trials is like a point of origin for some of this like patriarchal trauma and that like you know in order to sort of break up the coven in order to sort of break up the ways that women used to gather and exchange mystical secrets and all of the like you know tools about like nature and like how to hone in on some of the natural gifts within and also that we um, are surrounded by it was really necessary to sort of like not only make a point of like like separating women, but also create like 
a form of othering around other women, right? And like make other women your enemy and make other women your um, competition for men and for security and for all of the things, right? So I think there's like an actual like real history underneath while of that is, you know? Yeah, so I'm, I'm deep actually in research and writing a chapter specifically about this um, in my new book. And it, it's exactly what you said. I mean, you know, part of what I include this conversation is, is this section I call bringing women inside. And it has to do mm -hmm. with the way that when, um, when capitalism and patriarchy were kind of birthed, because they were birthed together, they go hand in hand. Um, the way that that had to work, right, was to um, start to make women less than, start to make women's work less than and, and what they were offering less than. And so to your point, the sister wound, right, which runs really deep, which is let's make women afraid of or distrustful of other women. And what that did was it turned the woman so that she could only rely on the husband, right? And so even in this, in this part of the book, I'm going into the etymology of the word gossip and how gossip actually originated as a word um, for close relationship, close friendship. Mm -hmm. At one point it was actually used to describe a godparent. Mm -hmm. And it through this turn into patriarchy and capitalism actually became um, a negative word, right? People that were kind of in the higher ranks started using it on purpose to describe other women as a negative thing. Like you should not be gossiping, right? The only person that you should be talking to is your husband within the home, right? And then we get to the witch trials and it was actually used, that fear was used as a tactic and it was used very strategically y'all as a tactic to make us distrust other women, right? Um, because things like the witch trials couldn't actually continue if women weren't turning on each other, turning each other in, in order to protect themselves and their families, right? And now here we are generations and generations later, and it's deeply ingrained in us. And I would say too, if we want to start breaking this habit, you know, I think the reason you and I give this history, and I think why it's so important to understand this stuff is to number one, take the shame out of it, right? But number two, when we start to look at our own internalized misogyny, because mm -hmm. that's what this is, y'all. Again, it's like to say, oh, I'm not a bad person. I just have generational trauma that is stored in my system that I haven't actually had to look at yet. Or maybe I just haven't had a desire to look at yet, right? And so having conversations like these, it gives you an opportunity to go, oh, what is that? Why is it activating to me when some other woman is in her power? when she's shining, right? Because here's the thing, y'all, it's not about the other person. It never is. When you are activated by somebody else, look in the mirror, right? It's an opportunity to learn about yourself more instead of taking that person down a few notches to humble them like this person said. Yeah, and I think it can be confusing when we talk about it in the context of women because so often the conversation that we hear people talk about is like, women are like socialized to connect a lot more women know how to do these things of like you know having intimate relationships in a way that men have really been socialized not to and that's true to an extent but what's tricky to me is a lot of times the way that we are conditioned to connect with one another is to make ourselves small to sort of like fit in in like our you know like 
I'm like trying to think of like how, you know, we, we do it to articulate it, but it's things like talking poorly about our bodies or like how much we hate our lives. And if there's like camaraderie in that, right. And like you fit in by making yourself small and to the point of this question, it's normally not like, I am in love with my life and I'm in love with myself and I rock. Like, that's not normally like what draws other women to women. It's normally like, you know, she's not a girl's girl. She's like one of those people. Right. Yeah. And people will say say things like she, she's all full of herself. And it's like, well, who am I full of? out of myself like who are, who should I be full of right? right um but it's it's very like early ingrained if you think about like on the schoolyard and like the way that we are socialized as girls it's like certainly to like not only and this is something you and I've been talking about it's not only to like make ourselves and our lives and our needs small but it's also so early on to the point you were making about like centering the men in their lives we are socialized to centralize relationships. And like, if you look at like the way that children are socialized, there's a point where all of a sudden the little boys are conditioned to still like think about sports and think about the things they want to achieve and think about what they're doing. And we as little girls are socialized to like, who has a crush on me? Who are you dating? Who do you like? Who likes you? And my little boy is six, V. And it's fascinating to see like this starting to like happen. Like the little girls are already like, who has a crush on who? Yep. Who's going to be whose boyfriend? And I'm like, no, I'm not ready. But like, it's, it's so much of our socialization and it just like continues generationally until we bring it into our conscious awareness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it is about conscious awareness, y'all. And again, this isn't to shame anybody. I mean, I've been guilty of this a hundred percent, especially back when I was in corporate, right? Because that talk about like a system that keeps women down. I mean, we could go into the whole conversation around, you know, the difference in pay, you know, inequality and all these things and why the corporate ladder on top is so stocked with men and like women are not on the, you know, top CEOs and all these, it's all connected. Right. And I know that I took part in it as well. And I think a lot of this just becomes a constant kind of self-inventory around my activation, specifically around other women, right? And not only just like constantly being aware of my activation and questioning it and sitting with it, right? Like, why am I uncomfortable? What about that is making me feel activated? But then almost challenging myself, right? I mean, a lot of this, like I said, it's so ingrained, right? That it becomes almost like an unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. We have unconscious biases towards other women, right? And so I have to ask myself, I ask myself these questions. It's like, what about this woman standing in her power takes anything away from me? What about this woman standing in her power reflects poorly on me? Why am I feeling um, uncomfortable, embarrassed, angry, right? And I have to, it's this self-inquiry that we all need to actually take part in if we want to be part of the larger change, right? This larger system of bringing the patriarchy down and starting to level the playing field, right? We have to be able to support other women in, to your point, being full of themselves. I want to be full of myself. I want to love myself. I want to be proud of who I am. I want to be proud of my talents. And I don't want to have to be embarrassed or like make myself small because I know what I'm fucking good at, right? And so we really need to practice building other women up and paying attention when we're not doing that. Yeah. And I think the part that you said about going inward and doing that inner inquiry is such an important point because something that we talk about a lot is that in order to build strong community and connection to others, 
it's sort of counterintuitive to what we've been conditioned to believe. I do believe that the work has to start with us going inside first so that we can really get clear on what are my insecurities? What are my limiting beliefs? What are my blind spots here that I am not able to see that I'm sort of reacting from versus being in the space of pausing and then being in like that conscious response Um, But that really requires me knowing myself well, because the thing that's like really beautiful is the deeper that we come into relationship with ourselves, there's this like understanding that no part of me is ever diminished by supporting someone else in their shining, in their being bold. It's that, you know, Nelson Mandela quote, like, the more that you shine, the more that you give other people permission to do the same. But that's so sort of counterintuitive to everything that we've been societally conditioned to believe. It's like, you know, that there's scarcity and there's not enough and that we're one another's competition for all of these different things. And that it's me and my family and that should be my focus versus like, how do I build the community by showing up as the most authentic, beautiful, big, bold version of myself unapologetically. And that as I do that, I sort of give other people around me permission to be that as well. Yeah, and I want to speak to somebody wrote uh, um, a comment. Heather says, gray area between confidence and ego, being proud of ourselves versus being prideful. And here's what I want to say. Yes, it's a, that's a yes. And here's the and part. I still say that when you are activated by somebody, let's say it is somebody's ego. Let's say there's a woman up there who has hella narcissistic tendencies, right? Because you and I, we've been in experience with people like this, men and women, not just women. And that's activating for a lot of us. I would still say that even in those instances when I'm activated, even if somebody's being super boastful and super in their ego, the question still is turn it around to myself. Why am I activated? It's a lot about allowing people to be themselves. And then I handle myself and my activation. So if somebody is standing over here being super narcissistic and super in their ego, and I'm activated by that, that's still really important information for me to pay attention to, you know, inquire about within myself. And then I have probably the opportunity to change the way I relate to this person, right? Um, To maybe do a little work around my activation when I'm around this person, right? I mean, for example, a lot of the, the work that I've done around those in my life that have narcissistic wounding and tendencies is actually empathy building, right? Because narcissism comes from a really deep place of feeling like you are actually not enough. It's not actually based in a real belief that I'm better than you. It's actually based in a belief that I am nothing and I am so much less than you. And so when I can look at that person through that lens, yes, it's still activating, let's be real, but it gives me an opportunity to say, I'm still I'm still in the inner inquiry. This is still about me. This isn't about this other person, right? And so I think even in that example, there's still an opportunity here for us to say like, yes, and what about bringing this person down out off of that ego kind of ladder is gonna be helpful to me, right? Like how is that gonna serve me in any way? Yeah. And I think there's an important differentiation to me to be made between like pride and narcissism, because I actually don't have a problem with pride. Like, I think we should all be like emanating all the pride and like proud of who we are. We are like these little divine beings walking around. And I think we need like so much more of that conscious awareness as a society from my perspective. But I think what I hear you speaking to, like to me, narcissism is I experience other people through like 
the extension of me. Like I'm not able to empathize with that person as the differentiated other to like empathize with their experience to like really drop into how, how I might feel if I were them in this moment with whatever my behavior is. And I think in order for us to, to be able to empathize to your point, we have to be able to be in relationship with ourselves. Right. And normally narcissistic people aren't really in that inner inquiry of like asking questions about why they're behaving the way that they are. So it's like, yeah, like I think the thing, and this is what I hear you speaking to a little bit. If someone is like really activating us, like someone's in that, like we used to talk about like people that are constantly giving like really long anecdotal, like only have to do with me stories and like, you know, in group settings and it's like to your point what that's my shadow work right like that's for me to get in right relationship with why is it so difficult for me to tolerate someone really having a lot of pride and really feeling like there's no reason that they can't take up as much space as they need to in the world um and maybe raise my hand and say i would like some space as well right like why does that feel challenging for me to do that's my work yeah, yeah, I think I'm glad that you brought in the, the shadow element because again, we keep talking about looking at yourself and your activation, but really what we're talking about is that's doing shadow work, right? Like when we're activated, there actually is an opportunity to do the shadow work. And that was something that you helped me see. I mean, geez, that was like the first semester of grad school, right? Mm-hmm. When I was working through a very similar thing that what we're talking to right now. And and the thing is, is like, okay, if I'm activated by this person being in their, their light and really taking up space, then I get to look at myself and say, where do I need to let myself mm-hmm. do that? Where am I, am I envious actually? Like, yes, I'm annoyed and I'm activated, but is there maybe some envy underneath that activation that I don't let myself do that or that I'm constantly like, policing myself to make sure that I'm not speaking too much, that I'm not taking up too much room, that I'm not looking and making sure everybody else is okay in the room, right? And how exhausting that actually is and how I wish that I could just be like, fuck it, I don't care about anybody else. I wanna talk about myself, right? And so I love that you brought in Shadow because everything we're speaking to y'all, this is an opportunity to do a little bit of that work too. Yeah, and I think to the point that you were making before, I think even as we do that inquiry, it's so important to hold ourselves with so much compassion because for most of us, there was a point in childhood when we were big and we were bold and we were taking up a lot of space unapologetically in our authentic selves and we got shamed for it and we got shut down and we got told that we were too much in whatever way that was. And so it's like these things are passed down and the parent, the caregiver, whoever shamed us they were doing it a lot of times because they were shamed or because they were taught there's like a societally acceptable way to be. And so it's like, it's not to like pass around the blame or even blame ourselves. As you were saying before, it's really to understand so much of this is our conditioning, but we have to be aware of it to sort of stop doing it to one another because again, there's, there's no lack of space for anyone to shine. Like all of us get to shine as brightly as we need to. And that's really what we came here for, from my perspective. Agreed. And so I think we'll just, maybe we can wrap up by talking too about how this, this conversation that we're having is actually one of many that we tend to have Mm. in our retreats, in our intensives. And so for those of you who don't know, we are doing our you know, annual January intensive. And so it's January 18th 
through 21st in Malibu, California this year. We have two seats left. So if anybody wants to jump on it, I say do it now because we usually get people like the week or two before like I'm doing it um, and the spots fill. It's sold out the last three years in a row. So we're anticipating it will. Um, but this kind of conversation, right, this understanding of like the development of these self-abandoning tendencies, yeah. right, and so that we can get in there and do the excavatory work to start changing some of those habits, right? We talk a lot about like why we learn and when we learn to stop choosing ourselves mm. and how that ripple effect changes everything. It affects how we relate to ourselves, to our relationships, to our children, right? And how important it is actually to learn to choose ourselves and the kind of impact that can have, right? What are some other things we talk about? <laughs> oh, everything you said. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that you and I have been having so many conversations around the ways that the world is changing and that so much of like how we're going to show up in the next iteration of a human race is really that we're moving from this space of an inner authority and that that is like stepping into our feminine power and like, and that's like in all of us, right? Like, but like the thing about the feminine is like, it's the intuitive space of my inner knowing and like how I trust in myself as a divine being. And that like, I get to take up space because there's a thing that I came into this life to do. And it's really not serving anyone. It's not serving the collective for me to play small. And so I think we are just really coming into a conscious awareness of that, all of us. And it's like, how do we hold space for that? How do we use that as our service in the world that we go out and support others by being the most potent, powerful, embodied version of ourselves that we possibly can? Love it. Yeah, so if y'all are interested again, January 18th through 21st, DM me or Danae and we'll give you a little discount code because we do want to get you, your butts in these seats, right? We have two mm. more. Um, and maybe we can just end on, I want to give a little shout out here because I thought this was so beautiful. Um, Seth Tag said, thank you guys for your work as a man. I need new tools. And I just want to say, <laughs> brother, we are, we are so, um, delighted that you're here and joining in these conversations. And I'm going to speak for both of us today when I say so much of the work that Danae and I do. Yes, we talk a lot to women, but it's not in order to separate. It's in order to actually bring together and, um, we're always here for dialogue and, and open to kind of doing this work with, with our brothers as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right, you guys, um, be well, and I hope to see you all in January. Great day, guys. Happy new moon. Or full oh. moon. <laughs> in cancer, all the fields, y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.